So for our second podcast, we're welcoming Christine Worrell, who is the NADP Country Advisor for Wales. All of our NAD projects and plans rely on input from members and our special advisors as well. Christine is our advisor for events and policy in Wales. We've known each other for quite a while now as we joined the NADP Board of Directors together quite a few years ago. So welcome, Christine. Hi, Lynn. (laughs) Okay, to start with, can you just tell us something about yourself and the institution where you're working now? Yes, so my uh, role within Cardiff University is Head of Disability and Access Support Services, um, which means I am responsible for disability services and our academic skills and peer mentoring service um, for our undergraduate and taught postgraduate students. Um, Both students really, both services are really about making higher education uh, more accessible which is why it's uh, an interesting uh, remit to to be responsible for. As Lynn said, I've been an NADP uh, director and I couldn't remember the year, so I I struggled to think how long it was, but it was quite some time ago. Um, And I was vice chair of NADP for a year before I stepped down um, from the board as a full director in 2019. And I've been representing Wales since time so that's a bit about me <laughs> so how big is your team or, or your two teams at, at the university so um if we focus on the disability service lynn um there are 31 of us so i've included myself um but we do have disability advisors um three of, of whom work specifically with students with mental health difficulties Um, And we also have non-medical help services and an assessment centre. And of course, we have our administrators. Um, I would say that's 31 people. They're not all full-time staff. Um, The institution, so Cardiff, is um, quite a large institution. We've got, well, just over 33,000 students. Um, The most of um, those students are undergraduates. It's sort of over 23,000 that are undergraduate students. Um, so we're quite a large institution. Um, we have um, just over 4,000 students who have told the university about their disability. Yeah, that and that can that figure can hide quite a few behind that as well. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about the the you know how many students do we support, which is always I think is an interesting question. You know, because of um, there are various ways in which students engage with services. So, um, but but thinking about the students, for me, I think we support all of the students whether it's directly through those that have come to the service, have met with an advisor or are receiving some non-medical help support, or be it through the students who have asked an inquiry um, because they had a one-off need and and that's got uh, supported and resolved by our um, sort of uh, first line of contact uh, team, Um, or whether it's our work with academic staff 
where we are um, working with our colleagues um, to to look at how things are done within programs of study and, and that sort of developmental side where you're looking to make a difference for the disabled students who are studying on those programs. So, you know, for me, I think it's about supporting all of those students. And of course, that way you support students who, for whatever reason, haven't told you um, that, they, that they have a disability or they have an impairment. So hopefully we try and reach as many students without relying on them having to tell us. Um, directly. Well that kind of brings us quite neatly to a question which I was going to ask a bit further down the line but asking about um, inclusivity. Um, we hear quite a lot about it um, I think across the UK um, but we're hearing that it's quite patchy in some universities in, the, in some departments. Uh, what's your experience of, of inclusivity across Wales? I would say it's the same, same Lynn. In in as much as um, it, it is, it's it's patchy across institutions, and there's pockets of good practice or, or you know excellent practice within institutions as well as across institutions. So I think I'm not surprised. I don't feel when I'm at sort of NADP um, conferences or, or other conferences, and, and um, we're all sort of talking about the challenges we face in our institutions. Um, I think it's one of those areas where actually there doesn't feel to be much of a difference. Um, I think the, the one thing that's been more noticeable in recent years is, if anything, I, it, England appeared to be doing the, you know, more to address it with the Disabled Students Commission and the work of the Office for Students, which of course don't extend into Wales. Their remits don't extend into mm. Wales. So, um, I sort of pointed to that development in the Welsh Government's most recent consultation on DSA changes because there was a question about um, inclusive practice and inclusive learning and teaching in relation to, to DSAs. So I did point to the developments in England because those things aren't being um, coordinated and looked at and developed in the same way in Wales. So whilst the patchiness is the same, I think there's more evidence that um, in, for English institutions, there's some guidance and, a, and, a, and a, at least an attempt or approach or a, an aim to, to make a difference mm. to that patchiness. Yeah, one of the things we've been actually talking about with the Disabled Students Commission is intersectionality. It's something NADP is actually using as a, an, a nice little tool to increase understanding that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to disabled students or any particular impairment. Um, is that a term that's generally in use in Wales at the moment or is it still coming in like it is coming in in England? I think it, it, it's, again, I think that's very similar. It's something that's been um, seen more and more over the last um, two, three years, um, possibly four. I have to say, like most people, time has become a bit weird with COVID. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think at the last sort of, um, certainly the last three years, it's a term that you've seen sort of being used more and more. Um, and yes, that's the same across um, England and Wales. Um, I've, I'm, I'm aware that the um, 
former Equality Challenge Unit, one of their last conferences um, had intersectionality as a theme, um, so um, which might have been about 2017. So I think there's been that sort of increasing use of it and, and seeing it in, in terminology. Um, and I think it is, it is important that we aren't complacent when there, when there are um, changes to legislation or guidance or support that's available, um, that we're not complacent and assume that will address the needs of every uh, disabled student. And I think, you know, that's coming through with some of the, the um, uh, information and the sort of feedback that's being given to um, things like the Higher Education um, Commission of experiences of disabled students when you can see there's a difference between how um, DSA works for students with different impairments. The work of the Pocklinton Trust highlighting the difficulties that uh, visually impaired students have with, with some of the DSA supports. Um, you know, I think intersectionality is important that we to make sure that we don't assume something is done and dusted because there is something available. It's making sure that it actually does make a difference to everyone that it is supposed to make a difference to um, and understanding why perhaps some something isn't making a difference. What is it about the people that aren't seeing the positive outcome or, or the change that's supposed to have happened why aren't they seeing that is it because of their specific impairment is it because of another protected characteristic or is it something completely you know is it socioeconomic or is it because they're first in the family if you look at university provision so I think it's always important to be looking at those those things so that we don't just assume everything's yeah going I quite to agree with you there supported. Yeah, it's one of my one of my uh, uh, top things at the moment is is uh, using that, as I say, to to try and look at the provision we provide um, as a country for the students, because ev yeah, everyone has different backgrounds and different needs. Even you know, you you talk about uh, dyslexic students, and some people talk about mild dyslexia and severe dyslexia. But dyslexia is dyslexia. What does have a, a big impact on it is that variation in other factors of input into that. Um, and I don't think that's very well understood at the moment. So uh, it's something I think we can keep fighting on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, going to a bit about Wales. Um, many of our members, in fact, most of them are, are familiar with the English system. Um, where students can study higher education at both colleges and universities. Is that the same in Wales? Yeah, that, that's, that's the same. We have um, higher education provision within further education colleges. Um, and other things that are similar or, or the same is, is the UCAS application. You know, students apply through UCAS, um, so they will have Welsh and English and you know, institutions on their, their list of uh, institutions they've applied to. Um, okay. Do you think um, that many Welsh students take the opportunity to, to state their disability requirements on application? Or do you find that they're actually coming through um, quite a way and, and getting settled into university before they actually make themselves known to you? 
again, Lynn, I think very, very similar to um, to my colleagues across the UK. You know, that we have students who um, are, for whatever reason, seem to be reluctant to um, tell us about their disability before they they arrive so they're not putting it on the UCAS form you know we have a large number that do put it on the UCAS form um, but I think all those sorts of um, awareness of the low number of students who um, who do tell the universities who are reluctant I think those sort of concerns about um, whether or not it will affect their application I think those are the same across across the board um, and um, obviously a big part of what we do is is providing information and trying to get that um, advice and that information to applicants or even prospective applicants um, so they're aware of the benefits of sharing that information and certainly uh, reassuring um, parents as um, as well as the students themselves that um, the information you know it's not it, it, it's for a, a positive rather than a negative reason so we still do a lot of work on on that sort of assurance that it, it's uh, for a benefit rather than as a detriment to, to tell us um, as early as possible through the application process um, but yes we still have a large number who, who tell us um, when they enroll because that said, that's another distinct point, um, and as well as after they've enrolled, um, and of course for some students, they they are making a decision that they don't um, think they're going to need to to tell anyone. They don't think there's going to be any issues, or they don't think they're going to need any adjustments. And then of course, um, either something changes, or there's you know there is actually a need for that those adjustments uh, to be made. So then they get in touch with us. I had uh, I remember vividly one student who, who came into the office uh, very upset because they weren't coping on their on their new course a month in uh, and said, but I, I'm over 18 now. I'm an adult. So therefore, I shouldn't be dyslexic anymore, should I? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we had to put some support in fast there. OK, so talking going back to kind of uh, disabled students allowances, does this operate um, differently in Wales? Are there any different aspects? Aspects to it. Um, the so um, just trying to think. So, in terms of you know, education is devolved. So we have a department in Wales. Um, so thinking of you know, there's the department um, for education. We have the skills, uh, higher education, and lifelong learning department, um, and we have student finance Wales. Um, and they uh, deliver through the student loan company. So, so we're dealing with the same sorts of um, structures and the same uh, uh, same sort of um, organisations. There, um, there were um, some changes with the D uh, some differences. Sorry, between the DSAs, um, but um, DSAs are changing in a, the same as in England, as in there's going to be one allowance in um, uh, 
2021-22. So there's that sort of bringing the, bringing all of the pots together for that one allowance. That's the same. A um, couple of differences that will remain is the students don't have to uh, contribute towards a laptop if they're funded through Student Finance Wales. Um, and um, Student Finance Wales still fund bands one and two support through the DSA without it needing to be an exceptional circumstance. So similarities, you know, Student Finance Wales, very similar to Student Finance England on a much smaller scale. Um, and uh, both use the student loan company to deliver their services. Um, but there's some slight differences in the allowance. Um, which, of course, is interesting when you, for, 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 for us at Cardiff, we have pretty much a 50-50 split for, um, there's a few anomalies, um, but, but essentially students in receipt of DSA, it's pretty much 50-50 whether they're SFE or SFW funded. So um, we might be slightly more aware of those differences than institutions that don't have very many SFW funded students or don't have many SFE funded students. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So it's differential funding and, and Cardiff have to work out who's who and, and pick up the pieces of those that don't get as much funding then. Yeah, so we, we change as, as most of the um, institutions in Wales will have just amended their sort of fund for um, non-DSA students to pick up um, the bands one and two costs for mm. Um, SFE funded students because obviously we want to make sure our students have the same experience regarding of who funds them. So just to kind of uh, close a bit here what do you think that you can bring to your role um, as the Welsh advisor to the NADP board is there anything you know we can do to help you and your colleagues in Wales more um, effectively? Um. I think I think I can bring the um, sort of my experience of the sector because I've um, I've worked in disability services since two thousand, which is a very long time ago, um, and I've always worked in Welsh institutions, so um, certainly have. Um, knowledge of the sector and uh, experience of the sector um, and I think I, I bring that to to my role as the advisor um, we are um, there's, we're, there, there aren't that many um, institutions in Wales so we have an active network um, both in terms of institutions but we also have two active DSA forums, one in the north and one in the south. And because geographically I'm based in the south, I, I attend the South Wales forum meetings. But I do have links with the chair of the North Wales meeting. So I'm able to sort of um, take things from meetings that are already going on uh, for, for, for members in Wales and I can bring them to, to NADP if, if we want to make sure, if the board, NADP board want to um, make sure there is a, a fuller um, consultation on something that, that, that 
from a Welsh perspective, those networks are there and I can I can take it through those networks, um, as well as, of course, the uh, opportunity through the email lists that are open to all individual members. So this, it's, it just allows that sort of networking and facilitates that networking. Um, the DSA forums are particularly helpful because they have Welsh Government and Student Finance Wales representation on them. Um, so, yeah, it's about being part of those networks and, and sort of being able to then have that sort of consultation and have that members involvement. Um, and in terms of how NADP can support members in Wales, I, I mean, I know from our uh, from being a, a full director when um, I had responsibility for the training and um, CPD, continuing professional development work, um, when we ran events that uh, considered the ge geography really of, of, of the UK, because um, it's not just about events being held in Wales, it's about being in locations that, locations that it's easy to travel to. Um, so uh, that, that did increase attendance. So just thinking um, about where events are held, absolutely important. Um, when we're all allowed to, to actually go and attend events again. Um, but also online, I think, you know, we've all learned how much we can achieve online. And whilst I think we'd all appreciate the opportunity for a blended approach when, when, when we can, um, I don't think any of us want to lose some of the benefits of, of um, online events because of the um, convenience. So I think online events certainly help any will certainly help Welsh members because of the rural nature of Wales, but will help um, any of our members attend where, where travel is, is an issue or is a barrier to attending. Um, and I think it's also about, um, which is part of my role, is, is, is sort of encouraging and facilitating the full board to be curious about Wales, to be curious about what things will mean for Welsh institutions, students who study in Wales, um, and and that's part of my role is to generate that active curiosity, so that the board isn't a recipient of information about Wales. There's an active interest in. Wales as there is in in England and as there's you know for Scotland and Northern Ireland so we can be truly representative. Yeah that's absolutely great and and that is uh, part of the reason we we've worked so hard to make sure that we have country advisors in order to to ensure that we're well informed. Your point about stimulating interest is a, is a good one and one that I hadn't thought of, but it's, yeah, just so true. We need it. We need to be thinking about the whole of the UK when we're supporting students. Um, just as where we have link um, contacts with Europe and as we're gaining more contacts across the rest of the world as well, um, we must make sure that we're still supporting all our members in all parts of, of the UK. So thank you very much. That's really great. Um, some great information there. And I learned some new things. I hadn't realised you could still get um, band one and two support in from DSAs in Wales. So there's still stuff that we, we all need to learn on this. 
but um, much appreciate your time and thank you very much. No, thank you, Lynn. You, you were very, you were very gentle. Thank you. <laughs>